What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Shot and Chop. I am your host, Josh Cannon, and we are about to chop it up. All right, so today I have a guest on. He is very talented in many, many, many different areas, many different businesses, and all around entrepreneur. So I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself and tell a little bit about what he does. So guys, make sure that you pay attention to this episode, jot down notes, um, pay attention, listen. Uh, if you need to hit Greg up after the episode, because he is definitely a good person for you to know. All right. So welcome to the show, Mr. Gregory. What's up? What's up? What's up? So wait, you said your show is Chop and Shop. Shot and chop. That's the oh, name of the show. Shot and chop. Shot gotcha, and gotcha. chop. Get it like with the camera. Like you shot, you took a picture and chop because we chopped it up. Got you. <laughs> like, a lot of people mess it up. They always call it like shooting chip and chocolate chip. I'm like, it, it's really easy. Shot yeah. and chop. That's all you got to know. Gotcha. And then that's the name of the show. That bet. Well, I appreciate you one for having me here. Um, a little bit about me, Greg Marcel. Like he said, I'm from Amityville, New York. I actually was born and raised in Queens, and then at the age of, like, what, I probably was about five years old, I moved to Amityville. I went to elementary school, middle school, high school in Amityville, and then I moved to Virginia to go to Virginia State University. Big state, fellow Trojan. Right. So 2009, I came out here in Virginia, and I've been here ever since. They, they got me. They got you. <laughs> they got me. Yeah. So Amityville, New York, I've never heard of that before. It's almost like Amityville Horror. Like, have you ever seen the movie? Yeah. Actually, it is the Horrorville town. Oh, so my crazy. high school was literally like a five-minute walk from the house. From the actual house from the movie? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so cool. they changed the street name and they changed the house number, but the house still was built the same way. It looked the same way. That thing's probably haunted. Yeah, nah, it's a true story. Yeah, like, I bet you they're still in that house right now. <laughs> people actually live in the house, surprisingly. Wait, people, like, real people live in the house? Yeah, real people live in the house. Oh, no, it wouldn't be me. It would <laughs> not be me. Real people do. So, yeah. Um, what else about me? Yeah, I'm a counselor, a therapist out here. Um, I have my own business. Businesses. Businesses. You got to make sure right. you list all of them so we right. got to keep count for the people. <laughs> all right, so last year I started the Mars. Was it last year? No, Dang. it was two. It was and, like oh, two years ago. It was ago two now. years ago. Yeah, yep. two years ago, I started the Marceau Mag. Um, that was my magazine company, focusing on fashion, music, art. Um, I have my mental health company, leading, elevating, valuing everyone, launching success. Levels for short. Um, we out here in Richmond, Virginia. We support children and adolescents as well as adults. So I have two programs there. I have intensive in-home as well as community stabilization which we work with children, adults, and um, adolescents. Hmm. That's a huge list. So, like, break, let's, break, let's break one of these down at a time, right? Yeah. So talking about um, the magazine, the Marcel Mag, um, everybody listening, I actually helped Greg do a lot of the pictures for that, and we've done how many volumes? Two, right? Two, yep. Right, so there's two volumes of the Marcel Mag out that you can pick up your own copy if you want to check it out. Hopefully, we'll be working on Volume 3 sometime soon. But um, what made you want to start a magazine and be like a publisher? You know, honestly, it was just the idea that started overnight. Like, I was watching Power and <laughs> scrolling on my phone. So I was watching Power, scrolling on Instagram, and I just seen, for some reason that day, I just saw a lot of people that would was just promoting 
you know, their business, their little side gig. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know such and such was doing this. And then I'm looking on pages like, oh, this how you was doing this for a minute. Like, why nobody know about it? And a magazine, for some reason, just popped in my head. And I'm like, yo, it would be lit if I put everybody in a magazine where we're, like, on one platform. I mean, Instagram is a platform we all, you know, on as accessible to just many people in the world. But I wanted to be traditional, in a sense, and incorporate something different in the magazine life. So... I talked to one of my friends about the idea and then I just started hitting people up like, yo, if I do a magazine, would you be in it? And it went from there. Like literally that night that I thought about the idea, I called my friend, told them about the idea. They was like, yeah, that would be dope. And I went on Instagram and I started DMing people. So that's how you found like, not just the models, but the different people to give people a little context. Like you didn't just have models in the magazine. You had like entrepreneurs, you had other people that were doing things in the community, right? Yeah, so the first issue, the first issue was all about entrepreneurs under the age of 30. Um, so that's what I, I kind of already knew people that I wanted to be in the magazine. Everybody that was in it was somebody that I have encounter, had had an encounter with. Right, right. And um, the second issue, it incorporated more of the fashion piece, but it still focused on that entrepreneurship. So, okay. So, which one out of the two do you think took the most work? The first issue or the second issue? I feel like the second issue was the one that took the most work. It was a lot of moving parts in that one. Uh, I feel like the second, hmm, which one took the most work? Really, it was the first issue. I think it was the first issue because the the developer that I was working with, this was their first time. Well, the second issue, I worked with a developer that was their first time doing the magazine too, but they both had two different processes on how they went about it. And creatively, they just had two different mindsets. So I feel like when it came to creative content for like developing the magazine pages, the second magazine, I was able to to bounce better ideas off. So like having like a more structured team in yeah. the second one. Yeah. The first magazine was more so like I felt like the person that was helping me develop it, they wanted my magazine to look how how they pictured it. And it was like, "No, I want to do this." Like, I understand that you're trying to help me, but I'm t this is the vision that I have for it. So and then I used two different developers cuz you know, one person um, they didn't follow through and we kind of fell out. So then I wound up having to find somebody quickly. And then that person, it was, it was a rush job. Yeah. The first one, but we got it done though. We yeah. got it out. Um, I don't remember how many, about how many sales do you think you got on that first magazine? On the first magazine, I probably, I, I purchased, I think, a hundred and like 75 and I sold them all. That's what's up. Especially yeah. for the first one. Yeah. But you were doing a lot of marketing. You had us doing a lot of marketing. Everybody <laughs> was running around, yo, buy the mag, buy the mag, promote, promote, promote. Yeah. And then it, it all came out and everybody loved it and it was a hit. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I mean, 2021, I wanted to drop an uh, all males issue. Cause you know, my second issue was all females. Um, 
But I don't know what it is about guys. Guys are just not as consistent as women are. Like, trust me, I get it. That that's how it is with the podcast. Like, I've had three female guests on so far, and you're the first. You are the first male guest after me reaching out to like a handful of different people. Right. So I've I've talked to a lot of guys, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm down." But then the follow up pieces just it just fall through, and it's like I I don't want to I don't want to have to keep going back and forth like. Right. You could just tell me that you don't want to do right. it. It's just cool. No. Like, like you're hurting my feelings. You don't got to hold my hand. It's cool. So, I mean, I still, that's still my goal. I still want to do an all males issue. And I really want it to be, like, to hit on the fashion portion. Like, I know some really dope, well, I've met within the past two years, some really dope people that I think would be a good um addition to it oh yeah and you know i'm down i'm ready whenever you want to get started um make sure you check out the second issue by the way the cover is pretty sweet um it's a dope photographer that yeah <laughs> the cover the cover the second <laughs> issue just started. hit yeah. visually the second issue was was it for me yeah and it was like uh the cover to put it in the context so you know since we can't see it it was like an african theme so we worked with a fashion designer by the name of Fanny. That was her yeah, name, right? Fanny. So shout out to Fanny. You know, if you hear this episode, you're dope. We love you. You're amazing. And we did it outdoors. We also did like some stuff inside with that. But I just really love that African, that black culture theme that we applied to. It. Yeah, definitely. Did, when did it drop? Did it drop around? I think it was. What was month it is close this? To- February. Black History Month? Yeah, it was. That's yeah. what we did. Did it closer to the black culture. So mm-hmm. the second one, um, I think a lot of people really liked, not just that it was a black-owned business, but it was focused on black success and not all the trauma that's going on and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, the second one was dope. I mean, we even incorporated poetry. Um, you know, we had a mental health piece in it. And it just was, you know, different people from different walks of life, you know, different ages. We have age range from your mid twenties all the way up to like your late forties. Yeah. So, yeah. so when can we expect volume three? Do we have an idea of when we're going to get started? Cause I got to get ready. <laughs> you know, I, the crazy thing is like two or three weeks ago, I was just talking to somebody about the next issue and my mom just came up to me and she was like, all right, when we get in the next issue, and I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I want to, I do want to get it done this year. Um, it's just that life is just so busy. No, you your know. your life is busy. <laughs> Y'all, Greg is in a different country every week. He's in a different city every day. And but see, that's my, that's my self-care time. Like traveling. when I post, yeah. when I post, people see, you know, me having fun. I don't post that I'm up two o'clock in the morning on a computer doing papers and reading reports and stuff like that. So like the public eye of me, people will probably determine like, Oh, Greg be living his life. Not saying I'm not living my life. I enjoy my life, but Oh, he's, you know, he can travel all these different places. He's always on the fly. Oh, he out at the bar. He's, Oh, he's always at a restaurant type thing, but no, that's just the content that I like to post. Yeah. And that's real. Like Instagram is just the highlight reel of what we want to show people. It's the same thing with photography. Like people think, Oh, you know, you're always out shooting. You're always out doing this, but they don't see the countless hours you're spending sitting at this computer where we're at right now, editing pictures and doing all that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. And then the the other thing is that it's hard to find committed people. Like in both industries, as far as my entrepreneur, 
um, goals are. Like with mental health, I have a decent amount of employees. I have about, I have, I might have 30 now. 30 28 to 30 employees. Wow. Yeah. Um, between like administrative staff and I have like three 1099 and the rest of W2 part-time and full-time. That's what's but up. between finding dedicated people to be full-time, because everybody, nobody wants to really, um, I guess, invest all their time in one place. That Everybody wants to eat here and eat there. And I don't blame them, but, you know, when I, when I started in the field, I didn't want to be working at three, two or three jobs. Like, Yeah, that's real. I like, wanted to make my money at one job, no one process, and yeah, it was your, what it was. What you're passionate at, and that's, I think, the ultimate goal of what we all want to do, be able to not only make money but live comfortably and be expense-free from um, all those things. Yeah. So with the magazine, what I was getting at is that it's kind of hard to find dedicated people to remain on the team. And then, of course, like, you know, funding source, because a lot of everything I did was out of my own pocket. You know, I mean, I made a revenue. I was lucky enough to make a good revenue from the first magazine as well as have um, sponsorships from really just people that just believed in me and people that were cool with me that was like, yo, here go a thousand dollars. Like that's what's spend up. it on whatever you need to spend it on. Yeah. Um, with no and they didn't get any personal gain out of it, out of it. Yeah, just having people believe in you and just really see what it is that you're trying to do. So would you say like the magazine, like what are the benefits of having a magazine? Cause obviously it's a lot of work that goes into it. It's a lot of financial work that goes into it. And yeah. Unless you're selling like a million copies, it's not really like a lot of money. Right. Like, what, what's the value that you see out of a magazine on the publisher side, not the people in it, you know, to say that they were in a magazine? I mean, it's one, I mean, you have an opportunity to create. So, like, you're creative. Everybody that you may shoot may not be a paid gig because you just love to create. So you may have an idea, something you want to do, and like, hey, we, this is what we're doing today. Um, so for me, being creative is like an outlet. Like, that's it's a hobby for me, you know, just like traveling is. So for me, publishing a magazine was an outlet for me to be creative. It allowed me to... Um, develop new skills to where I can now use this to do things later on in the future. It allowed connections to other avenues because I'm focusing on entrepreneurs. So now I'm meeting new people and new people are now wanting to meet me because they're like, Oh, Hey, I want to be in your magazine. So now I'm building a bigger network for better opportunities. So, you know, it would be, I'm sure somebody that's like into um, journalism or something like that will have a whole different outlet outlook on it. But for me, that's more so what it was for. Because yeah. I didn't I didn't go into it really thinking like, oh, I'm about to make mad money off of selling a magazine. That wasn't really my thought on it. But I mean, if it's done the right way, you can do that, and that's why. That's why I've, I've kind of been taking my time with um, dropping the third issue because I want to I want to change the organizational development of it in order to 
really get that profit that I want. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, you still have the first and second one, and a lot of people in the area know about your magazine. So I don't think you're going to lose too much from it, taking your time in developing the process to be able to make it smoother the next time. So, you know, you're not running around or stressed out about it. Right. So you have a team to support you behind that. Yeah. So, I mean, like one thing that I'm trying to do, well, one thing that I am doing right now is I'm working on a nonprofit. Excuse me. So with my nonprofit, I want to focus on, I want it to be for children and adolescents, but also, you know, adults have to help run it. So with that, I want to have people that are, are into journalism, um, graphic designs, photography, uh, publishing, and just like technology in general, and to teach the kids, you know, about it and also help with the magazine. I want to incorporate the magazine in it too. So, you know, the kids will learn about like how to how to direct a set on a photo shoot and learn how to edit photos or learn how to take pictures and learn videography skills, things like that. So that's my goal okay. in the upcoming year. Okay, that's a good goal for 2022. I think this is like the rebirth year that everybody thinks that they can take what happened in 2020, 2021, 2019 and make some profit or make like some progress because everybody's tired of COVID. I think we're all Yo, tired of being. And I think that's an, that plays another. I dropped my first issue when COVID first started. Yep. 20, so, yeah, COVID started right? in March and my first issue dropped in what? The summer? Was it the summer? September was my launch party. Yeah. So. My first issue dropped right before my launch party. I don't remember what month. But the strategy that I had put in place in order to, like, drop the first issue, it just, it didn't fail to entirety, but, you know, it didn't go the way that I needed it to go because of COVID. Right. So, like, 2021 came, and, you know, we here now in 2022. It was kind of like, People still have that mindset of like, you know, not wanting to do stuff with COVID. And I just think that if anything, this was the perfect time for me to take my time with developing the Mar with developing the Marcel Mac. Right. All right. So we talked a lot about like your magazine. And I know a lot of people are suffering from mental health and struggling mentally with all of the things going on with COVID. So let's talk a little bit about your um, mental health business that you offer and tell me about how that got started. All right. So in 2017, I actually started the process with my mental health business and I didn't have my first client until June of 2020. So I'm going into my second year into business right now and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I started out from June to December um, of 2020, just me by myself, literally doing everything. So I, I had my full-time job doing outpatient therapy on the side, as well as just running my whole company by myself. So my company was located at my house, but, you know, clients didn't come to my house because it's community-based services. And uh, I had to play the role as the biller, the the counselor, the office manager, yeah, the clinical person. You know, I was I was like five positions, as well as you know trying to have a social life and 
continue to work at my full-time business. Um, and then in January, I hired five staff that stayed with me until, well, they're still with me, but five staff. And then June, I hired one more person. So that made a total of seven of us. And then August came and then it was just crazy. Like a bunch of people just started working for me. Like August, it went from seven to like 23 Wow, that's yeah. that's a huge testament. In just two years, you went from no staff members to a full line of people working for you. Yeah. I mean, the good thing was that, I mean, not the good thing, but the, well, it's a good thing, but the benefit that I had was that I have a lot of friends that's in the same industry as me. So we all kind of like work together right. for, for a couple of years. So when I opened a business, it was just like, oh yeah, we want to work for you. Like, you know, we want to help your business grow, and I appreciate them for that. So they still working for me, and, you know, some some other people are working towards their business now. So hopefully everything will go good with that for sure. Um, so I started going into the programs that I have. So intensive in-home, that's behavioral support for, you know, children and adolescents. So I can have a client from the age of four up to 21 and in, in that service mm -hmm. um and then so i that was the first program i started with but crisis i added that last year in august so that service is really we work with clients who ha mental health symptoms have exacerbated to the point that they're at risk of being hospitalized. They may um, have suicidal ideations, experiencing like increased hallucinations, delusions. They may be homeless, um, engaging in risky behaviors, numerous of factors, numerous of things are going on with these clients. So we work with them. It's a short-term service. So they're typically in services for seven days. And throughout that seven days, we connect them to different resources. Um, and we help them with like managing their mental health. Okay. That's what's up. So as a mental health specialist, like what are some things that you see that's common that people are struggling with mental health wise now during the pandemic? And what are some ways that people can combat that? And I think, um, I think you could give a good insight on how people can have a better mental health because mental health doesn't always have a, have to have a negative connotation with it. Right, right. I mean, it's definitely normal. Like what we like to do with our clients is normalize what they're going through. You know, it's a billion of people that suffer with anxiety or suffer with depression. So it's a, it's a normal thing. It may not be my normal or it may not be your normal, but it's a lot of other people's normals. Um, but honestly, the most common, I guess, diagnosis that we deal with are people who struggle with depression, People who struggle with anxiety, um, schizophrenia, so having like hallucinations, delusions, um, bipolar, those, and then like children diagnosis, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, disruptive mood dysregulation, um, conduct disorder, PTSD. Those are some of the most common. Um, disorders that we see that I see um, with the population that I service but you know with COVID I mean everybody was I feel like everybody was really going through it Absolutely, you know for sure Me um, too. 
for me, luckily, I still had a social life during COVID just because I I still had to go to work. People who struggle with mental health and lack a support system because you you have a support system there now, you know, so you can talk to somebody about how you're feeling and what you're going through. And then, you know, they can provide you with feedback and provide you with different coping skills that you can use to decrease those symptoms that you're having. Um, I, I see a few kids and a few adults in therapy and a lot, a lot of them have started to come to me, you know, during COVID-19 because of, you know, depression and, you know, that, they're feeling isolated or they may feel hopeless about their future because they, they lost their job. Um, and what I do typically in therapy is really just help them with identifying what those triggers are, you know, and helping them identify realistic goals and expectations for themselves. Sometimes we put ourselves on, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that. I was going to say, sometimes we put ourselves on a pedestal, a higher pedestal, <laughs> but that's not what I want to say. Sometimes we, um, we pressure ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we pressure ourselves too much to a higher standard. Yeah. Like, that's, similar to the, that's what I see it as. Yeah. So we pressure ourselves, hold ourselves to a higher standard. And it's like, who are you racing? What, like, you you in competition with yourself. You don't have to race nobody to reach that goal, you know, because that goal is only beneficial. It's not going to be beneficial to nobody else. So it's all about teaching people how to pace themselves and, like, set those realistic goals that make sense for their life and their situation that, you know, they're currently going through. Um, also providing them resources. A lot of people don't have that additional support, whether it's family or peer support and have people to talk to. So providing them resources with other community supports that they can utilize because, you know, as a therapist, I can't be there every day. Sorry, I was talking about the brief pause. Greg just, you know, knocked a whole shit ton of water all over <laughs> my desk. But anyways, we're going to jump back into the conversation of what you were talking Where about. Where was I at? We were talking about depression and um, how it is that you help people with depression in your business. Right. Okay. I forgot exactly where I left off at. But um, what I do want to add to what I was saying, though, is that one thing that we have to um, all develop is a positive self-care routine. Right. So what are some uh, what are some positive self-care? Like what is a positive self-care checklist that people can do to make sure that they are working on themselves and working on their state of mental well-being? Well, one, I mean, you can utilize your hobbies and your interests, include that in your self-care routine. For me, what self-care looks like for me, um, of course, taking care of my daily needs. So ensuring that I'm eating, ensuring that, you know, I wash my butt, um, the basic, basic needs. But it also includes me being able to be creative. So with being creative, modeling, you know, taking pictures. Um, going on vacations and just, you know, enjoying my time out and learning about different cultures and learning about different foods and trying different drinks. That Those are some things for me for self-care. Um, reading a Bible or, or going to church, being spiritually, you know, aware. Um, 
just talking, talking to people and about, you know, maybe how I feel or just about anything really to just release, you know, that's self-care for me. I think a lot of people miss that part that you just said, talking to someone. Yeah. And a lot of people who have depression, we would never even know because they keep it bottled up, especially men, black men. Right. We don't talk about our feelings a lot. And I think a lot of people need to start doing more of that. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I have a lot of a lot of friends, I would say. Well, I have a lot of people that I talk to. Right. I have close friends, I have acquaintances, and then I have, you know, my family. And Wait, you put family at the outside, outer part of the circle? Because I don't talk to my family as much as I talk to my oh, friends. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, family is family. We know where we stand at. It's, it's always <laughs> going to be the same mix when we get together, right? Right. But, and there's never going to be no love loss with family. But with friends, you kind of... Their family too, you know, especially when you with them, like my friends that I hang out with, I see them at work. We be at work for eight hours a day. We'll go out to eat after work. They'll come to, to, we'll go to somebody's house. We go home, go to sleep. Now we back at work and doing the same routine. So I'm constantly, if I'm seeing you four to five days out of the week, like you family at that point, you know, especially if we interacting that close. Um, but to go back to what you said about black men not expressing how they feel, what I like about my friend group so much is that we challenge each other all the time. So even if, like, you know when you're around people, somebody that, like, you just constantly be around, you can tell and feel the aura that, you know, something is wrong. Yeah. So if I'm with you and I'm like, Josh, What's wrong? And you just like, oh, nothing. We gonna challenge you. You know, we gonna be like, nah, we know something's wrong because we know this about your behavior, right? So we're gonna get that out of you. And it's, it's not like you aren't an expert in knowing how to read feelings. Right. <laughs> right. So we use a lot of um humor in what we do. Right. So sometimes people will be around us and be like, y'all are mean to each other and i'm like no y'all just don't understand our dynamics of you know our friendship it's not meant for you to understand yeah. <laughs> you know so because i mean we're very forward with one another and we and we joke a lot but i think that we understand to the we understand each other enough to know that even though we may say something jokingly um we we serious and we really want to know how you feel about things you know and humor is actually i mean a good a good technique for some people you know when trying to talk to them about how they feel and you know just see what's going on with them yeah i I totally agree with that man and um i i think a lot of people need to hear this conversation about how to battle depression and anxiety because um i think those two things go hand in hand because like you're depressed about maybe something that's happened, maybe losing a loved one, um, maybe losing your job. And then you have anxiety of it could, it could be a number of different things. I'm not an expert, but I think you can attest that those two things go hand in hand with what a lot of people are dealing with. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we need to stop, you know, judging people or, you know, talking about people for their emotions and how they feel. You know, I have, I have friends that they're open about 
you know, maybe some battles that they're struggling with, with depression, anxiety, or just other things in life. So we're able to, one, you allowed us, you, you allowed us to get to know you better and understand, you know, you as a whole person. So now we know how to interact or interact with you, the, the right things to say to you, et cetera. And I think it's important, like, when we have people that's close to us to really just be aware of those warning signs and just acknowledging them, you know, making them feel safe, creating that safe space for them. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think we, we definitely covered that well. And thank you for your input on how to deal with depression and how to get out of that rut. So before you even get to that depressed state, what are some other things that you can do before you, I guess, start to have the the sad feelings to make sure that you're keeping up when you're in the good feelings? You know, depression is not that simple. Um, I mean, you could be diagnosed with several disorders and have depressive-like symptoms, or you could just have depressive symptoms but not necessarily be, you know, meet the diagnosis for depression. Okay. So, I mean, sometimes people don't really – people don't know why it's happening. You know, I literally had somebody say today that, you know, my depression isn't the type of depression that makes me sad. Like I'm not sad, but my behavior changes within my, within my depression, you know, but so that I have to take the medication to help me. And, you know, I might need an extra push to go out there, but he, his depression was just, you know, different and depression is different. It looks different on people because everybody doesn't have the same symptoms. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, it was more to it than that. That's interesting. Yeah. So like, yeah, it can be, uh, a lot of different factors. Um, it could be the time of day. It can be the, the season. Uh, it could be a holiday that brings on that depression or it could just be something random. It could be something that triggered you that you didn't know that was triggering you. I could have came here today to your house and seen something that reminded me of something, and boom, now I felt sad and depressed. Yeah. But I was good all day. Right. And, like, I guess another question I want to ask you, with dealing with so many people and their energies and depression all the time, how do you keep your mental from the fruit will their mental from affecting you and what you're doing in your day-to-day life? Um, me personally, I'm not really, I've never really been that type of person to carry on other people's feelings. Um, but you don't want to be, you know how, like, if somebody died, like, say one of your friend's relative died and they're, they're sad, you got to be strong for them. You're not supposed to be as sad as them, right? Because you, you're you the person that they they may be relying on to help you get out of, you know, that sadness that they're experiencing. You know, they may want to experience laughter in that moment. So they... So for me, when I talk to people that may be depressed or work with clients that may be depressed, it's more so giving them that um, feedback that lets them know that there's sunshine at the end of the tunnel, right? 
So I don't want to, I'm, I wouldn't, it would be like transference of feelings. If I'm, if I become depressed now because you depressed cause, and I may make you more depressed because he's like, oh, dang, I done made Greg depressed. Yeah, now. you done made it worse. So, <laughs> yeah, like, what am I doing? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I mean, i just never been really that type of person. Like, I'm, you know, I can experience, I experience emotions, so, you know, based off things that happen to other people. But I think with just practice and skill within therapy, it just comes... Okay, it's, it's a skill that you build. Yeah, and I, I think it takes a special person to be able to hear that. Just like police officers, that they see both the good and the bad every day. Yeah, or like mental health specialists, like you see a lot more of the bad. Like I don't think do people come to you for like feeling happy or like just to express the good things, or do people just come to you for when they're not feeling? Good? I mean, mental health is not just about. I mean, it's not just bad emotions. I mean, like people for, don't always feel bad, like, yeah. every day. So, yeah, I mean. They come to you for, like, motivation or, like, direction, almost like a counselor in a way, too, right? Yeah. I mean, therapy is, is you know, a form of counseling. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have sessions, and sometimes it'll, it'll be months that the client don't have an issue. You know, or severe issues like they may have had in the past. But then, you know, month four may come along and it's like, boom, something popped up. It's all yeah. about triggers. So it's important that you identify and know your triggers because if you know what your triggers are, then you'll be able to prevent yourself from experiencing negative emotions. That's real. I definitely feel that. But, wow, that was a lot to unpack. So. Um, I definitely appreciate you offering the advice because I, I know a lot of people that suffer from depression could benefit from this episode. So if you're listening now and you heard Greg speak about um, mental health, we're not even going to just say depression, but mental health in general, um, hit him up. He's in Richmond. So if you're local, he'll definitely be able to help you out. Um, but let's transition and talk about your modeling, right? So we are we're only at three things on your list of many different entrepreneurial Check check boxes of things that you do. So with modeling, like how long have you been into modeling? And I'm pretty sure that influenced your magazine. So how how did that get started? Like in modeling? Honestly, I started modeling as a kid. So I used to go. I forgot the name of the agency, but I was a part of this agency. I did a Kit Kat commercial. A Kit Kat um, commercial. Yeah, I was a part of. Um, Take me a break. The you, Gap. I did you. Gap photo shoots. Um, I was like real young. So I, to be honest, I remember moments of it, but I can't sit here and tell you a full blown story about the experience. Right. Shout out to moms though for getting you into that. I think that's cool. So when my mom, my mom was out of work for like, she said she was out of work for like a year or so. And that's how I had got into it. But then she had to return back to work. So I couldn't do it. Both my parents were correction officers. Um, but growing up, I don't know. People just, I've always received like compliments. And I think my first like semi modeling gig, I would say as a teenager was, it was at a church. Actually, my friend, a modeling church. (laughs) Yeah. No, my friend, they had a fashion show at this church and my friend would, was coordinating it and me and like 
it's probably like seven of my friends. We did the fashion show, but it was it was dope. Like we dressed ourselves, so I think that made the experience. It made it fun because it was like, oh, we can be ourselves. And even though, you know, sometimes people have that perception of church, like, oh, we gotta, we gotta wear this big Steve Harvey suit, no. <laughs> Cadillac <laughs> suit, right? Um, and then after that, I don't know. I just always, I always was in somebody's pictures, but it wasn't until college where I picked up like modeling again. Like people used to always tell me, like, oh, you should model, but. You know, I never really put too much effort in it. Actually, in high school, let me back up. In high school, my mom had found, oh, we went to this modeling agency. I was in high school or middle school, but they wanted all this money for me to participate. And my mom was just like, no, we're not doing that. We're going to find somebody who um, gonna do your stuff for free? Like you shouldn't have. If they want you, you shouldn't have to pay for anything. Right. And I was like, all right. So I just never did it. And then I went to Virginia State, and I was in what's that building? Virginia Hall. Yeah. Virginia Hall is on Hayden. Across from the cab. Yeah, yeah, that's Virginia okay. Hall. Yeah, I was in Virginia Hall, and Corojo did this show. It was like a Michael Jackson theme. And they ripped it like it was it was a lit lit ass show, and I was like, oh, I want to I want to be a part of Corojo, and then I got back into, um, you know, modeling, but it was a little bit different. It was, I mean, I did the runway fashion show at the church, but <laughs> I never, I never seen myself as a runway model. Like I just like taking just like taking pictures yeah. and styling. I get that <clears throat> right. So. That was a whole different experience for me. Um, it was fun while it lasted. It was cool. It was different, but, yeah, it was what it was. And then I used to just do little – I did a couple of little photo shoots, I think, in college. And then, yeah, on my free time, I just be – either people hit me up and be like, yo, I want to shoot with you, or, like, I just meet people and they – I'll be like, yo, let's shoot and yeah. we shoot. So yeah. and be dope. Like I got some dope ass pictures. I do. <coughs> yeah, you do. You work with a lot of dope photographers, you know what I'm saying? The best in the city. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, but um that's cool, man. Like like you definitely are a very well rounded individual and an entrepreneur. And like just from your modeling, like people approaching you with that, I think a lot of guys don't think that men can get far in modeling. They think it's just for women and looking pretty and being naked, but no, like guys can model too. Like I don't, I mean, I post a lot of male models, but I shoot guys too. And I think a lot of people need to be more confident in what they can do as models as well. But, but I I want to give a quick little rebuttal because I feel like a lot of photographers, majority of photographers are males. Right. Right. Now you do have scattered of female models, but I feel like majority of the male models only want to really shoot women. The male photographers, you mean, want to shoot women? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, the male photographers yeah. only want to shoot women, and that's all they display on their page. Like, I literally hit up a photographer the other day because I seen his page, and I was like, oh, he dope. And I think he lived in Atlanta. But when I was on his page, he just had female models. Yeah. And I was like, I asked him, I said, do you shoot male models? And he was like, yeah, but it was like, but, you know, if I go and look at what you're showing – 
to the world, you're not branding yourself to include everyone. Yeah. I mean, I think people brand what they want to shoot, but however, on the photographer side, I, from my experience, I think, and just talking to other photographer friends, I think some male photographers are afraid to shoot male models or feel uncomfortable because some male models may approach them in a different way or Mm. they, in their mind, they see male models want to just do like a guy in a thong or naked with a fur or something like that. But no, it's, it's so much more to that, like fashion, like uh, lifestyle, like being able to do other things. And it doesn't have to always be sexual on both sides, men or female. Like, but I think that's, I mean, that's when you, Discuss boundaries. That's like, true. Boundaries are important, but some everybody's break- not a new photographer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So whether it's a female or male. So if you, if males don't want to work with, with male, male photographers don't want to work with male models who may want to show nudity or something like that, then you just say like, yeah, I don't shoot this type of photography. Yeah. for males however this is the you know at least let us know i feel like i can go on i follow a lot of photographers and i feel like i can go on a lot of their pages and it's not really that many males and if there are male models that are shown i feel like 90 percent of the male models are these bodybuilding male <laughs> models i'm not a bodybuilder so <laughs> but i feel like that's that's what they want to they they shoot what they feel like people want to see, and I don't feel right, like they being right. true to their creative process. Or maybe they may not really be creative. They may just know how to take a good picture and edit good. Yeah, you know. So yeah, that's that's um an interesting point of view there. And also, I think on social media we promote what we think is going to sell. So like you know, women are going to want to see Jack male models and stuff like that, but. You know, it, it's so much more to that. And it also plays to what you said about boundaries, being able to discuss those boundaries, both as a model approaching the photographer and then a photographer approaching the model. Because a lot of times there's there's so many stories of those both ways going sideways. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's what fucks everybody up. Like they, they're afraid of the what ifs or they're afraid of like judging somebody before you even get a chance to talk to them or know them. Right. But I feel like, yeah, I mean, just that alone, that's an issue, not just with photographers and models, but just across the board with a lot of people. People are afraid to communicate. Yeah. And it's like, you want to communicate and gossip to somebody else instead of going to the, to the person that you need to go to and at least just talk about whatever issue you may have. And, I mean, people just need to grow up, like, yeah, and that's that's what separates like a professional photographer from somebody that's not so professional, right? Because I I mean, photography it it can be a hobby for a lot of people, and then some people you know this is their dream, this is what they really want to do. Um, but the people that just this is your hobby. Let us just know this is your hobby because you don't have or at least develop professional skills, you know, learn how to communicate with with other people and learn how to operate as a business. If you want me to pay you for your service, then I want good customer service. I agree with that for sure. A lot of people, a lot of photographers I know are introverts, but you can't let that affect your business or you're not going to get no money. Yeah. You have to be able to open up and, and like, you know, flip that switch to 
um, like you said, give customer experience or I'm sorry, customer service and build that experience with somebody, whether it's paid, whether it's a collab, whether it's male, female, yeah. old, young, doesn't matter. Another thing on photographers, since we on photographers, I so I feel like I would talk for myself. In the past, I have worked with photographers, right? And we have been able to create dopeness, right? And I'm I don't have the biggest following at all. But everybody knows Greg. Everybody knows Greg. Right. <laughs> Outside and of you, social media. Just like influencers, like when you have somebody that you work with, they become an influencer whether or not you want them to be an influencer. Right. And I feel like sometimes people just don't give people their props. Like together. I mean, it's a teamwork thing. So it's like at least acknowledge that yo i appreciate doing this shoot with you or whatever even outside of photography just in life in general i appreciate doing this with you because i was able to you know get more business off of that yeah like literally the sign that i that i have up in my office that the 3d printing sign Mm -hmm. i just got my frat brother like three other people that want to get the sign and, and it has already been in contact with him. Right. So it's nothing, it was nothing for him to be like, yo, Greg, I appreciate that. You know, because at the end of the day, I didn't have to market you. Like I, I paid for that. And I yeah. have to do that. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge testament to your personality because not everybody does that. They feel, Oh, I paid this person. So I don't have to show gratitude or appreciation. I can just right. keep moving. I don't have to tag them or anything like that. But those are people that I, I like to surround myself with and you like to surround yourself with. And right. it, it just makes everything work better and makes things easier as an entrepreneur when people support you because support doesn't cost anything outside of what yeah, they yeah. did. You know, financially, yeah, they may have bought something from you or used your services. But, you know, shouting somebody out on Instagram, shooting them follow or using word of mouth, how you referred that person to me, same thing. Right. Yeah. So um, that's what's up. Uh, let's go ahead and take another turn and let's talk about entrepreneurial, entrepreneurship. Is that how the word goes? I think it is. I don't know. <laughs> but that's what we're going to call it. Entrepreneurship. So what are some tips that you can give people to balancing running a business and still maybe running their nine to five? Because like me, I still work my full time day job and my photography business. You have like a plethora of businesses. I don't know how you do it. So what are some tips you can give people to balance those two things or three or four or whatever it is? You know, it's so many different variables. Like what I mean by that, you know, you have people that have kids, you have people that's in relationships and just want to be around a boom and that's a distraction. Um, and just whatever life issues people, people may be, um, experiencing for me I mean I'm a single black male on these streets <laughs> <laughs> so no I don't I really don't have my responsibility in life is myself you know um so for people like me who responsibility in life is yourself like you don't have to you don't have to worry about feeding somebody else so you don't have to worry about paying a bill for somebody else um it's really about balance balancing time management um because we all we all have the time to 
we all can make the time for the things that we want to do, right? So make that time. You know, instead of going out or traveling, if you feel if you're trying to reach a certain goal, like you're gonna have to cut you're gonna have to cut some losses. Right now, as I am I'm doing a lot of stuff right now. So, you know, of course I'm running my business um full time, then I'm a contractor for my previous full time job which I still actually carry the same position. Um, so I didn't lose any of my duties and I actually got a little bit more duties, but I'm contracted there. Uh, and I'm in school getting my doctorate degree in healthcare administration. That's what's up. Dr. Marcel. So my schedule is sickening right now. Yeah, that's why that's why right. I say I don't know how you do it. Like mental health, that's a mental health bomb right there. My schedule is crazy. So, I mean, I literally I have my days planned out, but n- this week alone, like it, nothing went how I needed it to go. <laughs> like I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna wake up at this time, get to work, get to work, I'm gonna do these tasks, then I'm gonna do this." But it's so many different distractions. When you're an entrepreneur and you're just an entrepreneur by yourself, it's totally different than being an entrepreneur and actually having employees, right? Because by yourself, you don't got to really deal with nobody's attitudes. I mean, you may have to, it's more, it may be more work for you because you may be doing everything just depending on what, um, you know, your, your job is. But being an entrepreneur and having employees is not that fun. I mean, it's rewarding, but at the same time, it's you have to. I have to deal with multiple personalities. I have to be compassionate for multiple people's feelings. Not even my clients, but just my staff. You know, like I have staff that really be going through some real life stuff, and I really had to learn how to be patient. Patience is gonna be the key. I think it's like the number one thing for being an entrepreneur because things are not going to happen as fast as you want it to happen. Um, and if you're dealing with other people and have to rely on other people to to make your money, like you got to be patient and you have to be able to, to be a, a leader and be able to teach too um, because everybody's not going to think like you and everybody's not going to, have the same drive as you either. So you got to understand how they learn and you got to understand how to communicate with them. You got to understand their emotions and their feelings and you got to understand how to approach, um, you know, approach them about, you know, different situations. So having 30 employees and having to interact with 30 employees about their job duties, making sure they turning things in on time. It's not simple because you don't want to, uh, for the industry that I'm in, there are owners who shouldn't be owners. I mean, hey, that's that's everywhere. Really, Not there's, just there's with... owners who who don't know anything about mm. mental health. Mm. You didn't go to school for it, anything. So you're an owner. You making your money. I'm not knocking your hustle. You know, get your money how you get your money, but. You got those owners who's not really invested, and then you have owners like me that have the degree, have the credentials, you know, and literally 
building everybody under you to be the best person that they can be because your your business relies in their hands, you know? Yeah. I mean, literally everything that there's such a lie, they're a liability. Everything that they do, if they do something wrong or so detrimental, I mean, that don't... It's going to fall on them, but it's going to fall on you. Fall harder on me. Right. <laughs> but go to go back to the question. Get off my soapbox real quick. Um, yeah, patience. I would say research. Research is important. And I recently learned that in the last, literally probably in the last three weeks, not saying that I've never researched things, um, but it's more in depth. Like I've learned how to more in depth research things. So for instance, me being in school um, with my degree, basically I'll be able to operate a hospital or any healthcare um, facility. So when it comes to articles that we have to read, when it comes to research, in your business, like just researching other, you know, when you go for a job interview, hold on, I'm going to switch the conversation, but when you go for a job interview, keep, up, they say, great, great. keep switching up, but it's right, okay. Right, right. It's all going to tie back together. It's going to tie back in. <laughs> and they say, oh, make sure you do your research on that job, you know, so that you can impress the interviewer, et cetera. Well, for entrepreneurs, say I'm in the beauty industry, Right. It's a million people in the beauty industry. So you want to research your market and see not only what they're selling, but you want to see the numbers that they're doing. You want to see um, what worked for them, what failed. So, I mean, in the beauty industry, it may not be a good example because they may not have research on that. I don't know. They may, they may not. But, for instance, like healthcare facilities, there's research out um, about, like, COVID-19. Right. So all hospitals. So COVID-19, hospitals were not equipped to to handle the virus, right? So they all were trying to learn, like, what's the, what's the best method to deal with all these people, the influx that's coming inside the hospital. So now, you know, you had certain hospitals that were just, you know, following that, their director, doing what they needed to do. And then you had other hospitals who were going above and beyond researching, like, okay, well, what worked when – um, the bird flu was around uh, what what worked in this city and state and ha- what their numbers are looking like and comparing it and contrasting to, be- to find the best method for them. Entrepreneurs, y'all need to learn how to shut up and listen. And listen. Listen more, talk less. I, I literally preach that for all real. the time. Sometimes no, you got to sit back and observe. Yeah, that, that's real for sure. Like, it's so funny because my staff, some of my staff, they 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 can read me a little bit. They can read me off my facial expressions. Like they know when I'm irritated or or feel like what you just said is dumb. <laughs> but you, you know, we 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 word? use humor a lot at um at my job. Yeah, what's your favorite word? Trash. Trash. <laughs> yeah. I no. This is what I say to them. I say, you know what? You did the best you can do. <laughs> Dang, that hurt. And, that, and they start laughing. They know I'm being sarcastic. But, um, 
Yeah, sometimes you got to sit back and observe and just, like, not say nothing. Just observe and move forward. And right. Do what you need to do. That's that's good advice. Um, we went in a huge circle, but we eventually got back <laughs> to the beginning of the circle of, you know, I, I kind of felt where you were going with it, but I wanted you to tell the people you know, I had to provide mind. the examples. Yeah, you know? right. Like, we we built the story. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's, we got plenty it's building of time. blocks. Yeah, but um, we we've talked about a lot, man. We've talked about your magazine. We've talked about your mental health business. We've talked about uh, how you're able to be an entrepreneur and not just an entrepreneur, but a business owner, because those are two different things. Right. And I, I think a lot of people can get something from this. So all of my entrepreneurs, I know this was a, a little longer of an episode than I typically host on here. Um, but I hope that you all listen to the end because there's a lot of gems and information that was intertwined with the conversation that we had today. So, um, Greg, I definitely appreciate having you on today on Shot and Chop and sharing your expertise as an entrepreneur. Appreciate you for having me. Yeah, um, yeah y'all make sure y'all follow me, Marcel39. And, um, yeah, like my pictures. Don't send my pictures because y'all love to be sending my pictures but to whoever y'all sending them that's to. That's how you get engagement, though. Like when people share it, like, like share, comment, all that stuff. If you guys send my pictures, I just have one one thing I need y'all to do. At least send it to somebody who's going to make me some money. Okay? <laughs> I agree. Same here. That's, don't that's send it to your, me, too. Don't send it to your broke friend. Yeah, don't send it to your broke girlfriends. He's not interested. You know what I'm saying? You got to make sure you come correct when you come to Greg. But I'm going to link all of his information in the show notes so that you guys can check him out and um, follow him on the ground, on the gram. Hit him up if you have any mental health questions. Hit him up if you have any entrepreneur questions, because I can say that he is very, very well educated in all the things that he does. And support a black man. It's Black History Month, so let's do it. Let's get oh, this real, thing going. real quick before we get off. So um, I actually, for my mental health, I have a mental health Instagram. I haven't posted anything yet because I'm oh, trying I didn't to know do that. that. I'm trying to do that. The promo video. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I have stuff to post, but I want to have a promo video before I post anything. Greg so. was Greg was looking right at me for the promo video. <clears throat> okay, I yeah, got so you, Greg. Let's do it. Yeah, it's levels of mental health. Follow that. So levels to this shit. You got to make sure you get your shit right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all right. Um, so definitely going to end this episode here. I appreciate all of you all for coming on and listening. Thank you for another conversation on Shot and Chop, and I will catch you all next time.